Hi guys, it's Adam from Samson's Hair Care here. I wanted to let you know that when you use the code BLUEGRASS on our website, samsonshaircare.com, BLUEGRASS will save you 10% and go to support this wonderful podcast, The Walls of Time, sharing the history and stories of bluegrass. Welcome to Walls of Time, field interviews with the best in bluegrass. As the most awarded male vocalist in bluegrass, Russell Moore has earned a pedigree as a lead singer and guitarist from the biggest artist in the industry. Still at the top of his game, Russell continues to record and perform with his award-winning band, Russell Moore and Third Time Out. Here is part one of a two-part interview with host Daniel Mullins. Recorded in Columbus, Ohio at the Musicians Against Childhood Cancer, Russell recounts his journey from Texas to North Carolina and all the miles in between and since. In this episode, Russell talks about how it all started as a teenage musician and how he transitioned to a full-time performer with the legendary Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver in part one with Russell Moore on the Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast. When I first got into bluegrass, we've talked about this before. You know, the Osmond brothers were the ones that really turned my head. And But once I got in to the in uh, listening more intently to bluegrass music because of the Austin Brothers, then I went back and I started listening, you know, to the Flat and Scruggs and the Bill Monroe, uh, Stanley Brothers, you know, Reno and Smiley, and I went I went way on back and I started because I wanted to. I mean, I'd already listened to some, but it, it was so different what they were doing, what yeah. the Austin Brothers were doing. Um. Let's uh, let's talk about that. How did the how did the Osmond brothers bite you with the bluegrass bug? It was, um, uh, well, a collection of of things, but but first and foremost had to be uh, had to be Bobby's voice. It was pure. Um, his his uh, intonation was always just spot on and and i'm a big fan of high lead or tenor vocals that are strong and my gosh there was there's been there uh, in my opinion there's nobody before and nobody since that that had what he had uh, you know singing and it that's the first thing that that caught my attention um and then there their song selection, their arrangements were, uh, were really different from anybody else uh, that was playing, uh, air quote, bluegrass music. Yeah. You know, I guess at one time they they really didn't, uh, from what I have read and understand, they didn't really want to be called bluegrass. They, they, they were a country act. Yeah. And they were on the country package shows you know yeah. going out and, and doing all that but it still had the the bluegrass elements mm-hmm. in there even though they, they were they using, still never put down the banjo <clears throat> and the mandolin they never know? yes exactly never. Yeah. even though they did incorporate uh, you know electric bass they had drums even uh, steel guitar and, and uh, on the recordings and things and he, i mean it was it was classic it was a a, a bridging yeah you know sort of but that that was a, a a lot of it too. Just their 
song selection and, and that trio harmony with the high lead, uh, which has become commonplace yeah. in bluegrass music now. But uh, there was nothing does. like that back then. Not back then. Yeah. No, that, that was not the norm, yeah. you know, back then. So all those things are really when when uh, my mom, uh, she would order in LPs from county sales and mail order catalogs and things. About once a month, she'd get two or three. And she got Voices in Bluegrass and... Uh, uh, him, it was a, a LP of, of gospel songs, and I'm the one with the gold jacket. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, our ne- favorite never hymns grow old. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Our favorite hymns. Okay, those two LPs right there. Uh, that's what did it for me, and, and then I and then I really just dove head first into it and and thought, okay, this is something that I've got I've got to have as part of me because I'm I'm that much into it. You talked about their sound, their singing, their song selection, and we talk about those records. Um, was there anything about the look of the Osborne Brothers that appealed to you as well? Oh yeah. Man. They're they're uh they're well not just their attire, but they were cutting edge. I had you know their their big long mutton chop, you know, <laughs> sideburns. sideburns, you know, Sonny with his uh, goatee thing. Uh, uh, just yes, their look was also different than yeah. what you would really see out. Uh, I guess at, the, at during that time, but but their their clothes. Uh, it was like you just mentioned the the gold jackets that they. They had on our favorite hymns LP, the the Florida turquoise blue on uh, on the voices in bluegrass, yeah. you know. Then the, uh, the red ones uh, on the, yeah. the, the modern sounds album, yeah. and the, yeah, <laughs> the, I mean they 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 dressed, uh, they were entertainers, yeah. you know. I, I think that they understood that from the get go. Yeah, you know they were entertainers, and you have you have to look. Um, you have to look uh, better <laughs> or dress better than the person that's sitting out in the audience watching you. You yeah. know, if that's, you, you want to try to, that, and there's still a lot of groups that, that uh, practice that even, yeah. even today. Um, not all, but, uh, and to each his own. Uh, but they understood that back then, that, you know, you have to look yeah. the part as well. Yeah. It, they walked out, and I've heard the description of of what they looked like, especially in that era. Is they were just like rock stars, you know. Yeah. Their sparkly jackets, and it was just like before they even played a note, or before you even press play on that record, looking at the cover, you're like daggone. Yeah, these cats are cool. They yeah. they are cool, and and it even went into uh, as far as you remember Bobby's Manlin, uh, the the one that he. Uh, plugged up amplified you know it was the red you know the the, the fretboard was um it was had white blocks in it you know here it was a really what kind of mandolin is that you know yeah. <laughs> it kind of just make it, it's it a draw, super mandolin yeah it draws you it draws you into it it gets your attention it makes you look and 
that's that's what it's all about when uh when when you get somebody's attention and you make them look at you that's part of it that's part of being an entertainer uh we just um did a did the collaboration last night and when i was introducing doyle lawson i almost said among all the other things i said about uh, you know about him and his career and uh, uh, i almost said the best you know the best dressed man in bluegrass music yeah. <laughs> you know but i didn't want to offend anybody else who yeah. actually tries you know to uh, make an impression or look nice and wear you know suits or or whatever because uh, that's not what i was trying to do but there is nobody else out here who is wearing the type or the style clothes that he is and it absolutely does get your attention yeah, totally. whenever whenever he walks on stage absolutely. you know it draws your attention and uh it's it takes it takes a strong person to wear stuff like that and and he, he is definitely that that guy absolutely <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide that you wanted to make bluegrass music for a living well uh, gosh Daniel, um, I was in, I was a teenager and I was, uh, I was still in high school, but I was uh, playing uh, music in a bluegrass band, Johnny Martin and the Bluegrass Ramblers from Texas. Uh, That was their official elongated name. Um, But I, he had, he had an old flex bus you know so i i actually got got to experience what it was like to travel to different places we we played basically in uh north and east texas um oklahoma louisiana um maybe a, a little bit in arkansas but just in that region there but i was able to experience at that age uh, i was probably um, a junior in high school. I got to experience what it was like to to travel in a in a vehicle like that, and and to go from point A to point B, and and experience the the the, the venue, the festival, the people. It was just that life. That, That's a great that I, taste, you know. That yeah, I, yeah. That I. That's what I do now. But I I loved it. You know, I thought, man, this is really cool. And I would love to be able to do this myself at some time. It, uh, but, of course, it, I'm still in high school. I knew that wasn't going to happen anytime real quick uh, at that point. And then even when I got out of high school, uh, of course, I'm like any other kid. You want to you wanna try to make some money. You want to put some green in your pocket. Yeah. So I went to work uh, at one of the uh, oil refineries. Really? At in in uh, in Baytown, <clears throat> next town over. And I was uh, there probably probably a year uh, working there, and then uh, at, th- at the same time I was doing that, I had already met Scott Vestal, and uh, we put put the band together southern connection you know yeah. uh, that was kind of his brainstorm but um i moved to arlington 
uh, between Dallas and Fort Worth at that point. Um, and and we worked construction work, you know, during the week. We'd go out and play on the weekends. It was still not a full-time, off, uh, you know, job. Um, and was, again, a little over a year, a year and a half maybe, that, uh, that I was there in Arlington, um, and we decided that uh, we were going to move east, the whole band, yeah. pick up stakes and, and move east. We settled in Asheville, North Carolina. How, uh, old, how uh, old were you? I was 20, maybe even 19, but uh, I, I, guess, I guess 20 years old. We moved. That's a big commitment. It was. Did, did the Vestals have ties to North Carolina? No. No, the tie that brought us out was uh, uh, Doyle Lawson had actually, we had opened a show for him in East Texas. And he went back and told Milton Harkey, who, who produced the Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver Festival yeah. in Denton, North Carolina, he said, you need to get these boys out here. He said, they're that good. And he talked Milton into sight unseen to booking us on Doyle's Festival. And that was in 1984. So we decided, you know, we've been trying to get something happening around here, and, and it just won't support a full-time bluegrass band and right here. So we need to get into the thick of things. Well, speaking of, of uh, picking in Texas, a lot of regional pockets kind of have their own bluegrass sound. How would you best describe the bluegrass sound of the, the of, of Texas, of the Texas bluegrass scene? When I was growing up, um, I can tell you there was uh, a lot of influence by the country gentlemen. Really? Uh, a lot of influence, of course, by uh, uh, Bill Monroe and, and his material. Um, some Stanley Brothers, uh, seldom seen. Really? Yeah. You could hear a lot of their songs being played in and around the the, the festivals and the and the shows. The, those uh, those were probably when I was growing up, probably the biggest influences. And I remember uh, the, there was a place we we would go with the first Saturday of every month up in just outside of Cleveland, Texas. And I got the opportunity at, way before I even thought about playing music full-time to see bands like Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver, um, the Lewis family, the Sullivan family, Larry Sparks and the Lonesome Ramblers. Uh, these groups would come through. They knew that was yeah. a good pass-through date. Yeah, good pick-up date. Yeah. Pick-up date coming from the West Coast or something, you know, or going to. That was a good – because it, it was usually a pretty good crowd uh, if they had somebody special coming through. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was worth the stop. So was I got to experience Was there a, more of a country and western influence in that bluegrass in that part of the scene, in, in part of the world at oh, all? Oh, well, definitely country music was the thing. Uh, yeah. Bluegrass was uh, liked and loved by a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the music scene, the, the biggest thing was country music. You know, that was the yeah. urban cowboy craze. Uh, everything was... Mickey Gilly, Johnny Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, and especially uh, being in Texas, that's probably just was amplified. Hey, I, I Everything's grew, bigger in Texas, I, I right? I grew up about three miles from Gilly's Night Really? Club. Yeah. Wow. I wasn't far from there. Wow. Yeah, right off of Spencer Highway. Did you ever go out there 
as a yeah, as a young man? Well, I, I did. I, I went. I wanted to see what it was like. Uh, so when I became of age, you know, uh, I actually went out to the nightclub itself. Now, prior to that, there uh, Sherwood Cryer, who owned the place, he had a, a barn, big metal barn behind the nightclub, and he tried his hand. Uh, two or three years at having a bluegrass festival in the the big barn. Wow. Uh, and that was before I was even 21. And we got to go play out there a couple of times for oh, Sherwood wow. Cryer at this bluegrass festival. Yeah. So I got to see, you know, the the place, but I never really got went, went inside until, you know, I turned 21. And then I went inside. I wanted to see, you know. I mean, I've, I've seen this movie. I want to I see the place, you know. Yeah. I want to see what it's all about and it's so wild it's, it's, it's amazing how movie uh movies or, or producers and, and they, they can make something look a whole lot different than what it really <laughs> is you know what i mean you know it's pretty it's pretty wild uh, uh not that i was really uh, i wouldn't say disappointed but i was um i i had different visions i guess yeah yeah of, of what it was so uh that that was the thing back then. Country music was absolutely ablaze. It was on fire. And and how did that influence the bluegrass music that was coming out of that era? Well, you would you would hear uh, songs that that were done by country artists and and were pretty good hits. You know that people would incorporate into their bluegrass band and kind of you know uh, instead of the electric instruments you know they would they would play it with acoustic instruments banjos and and um you would hear that kind of thing but like i like i said i i would i would have to say the majority as far as the bluegrass bands um their influences at at that time were more seldom seen and yeah. country gentlemen uh there was a lot of uh their songs being played and 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 like i said bill monroe um his um, people who were tenor singers or high, you know, vocalists, you know, high, you know, with they would you would hear a lot of Bill's tunes being played too. So um, it was a it was a cool thing, but it, like I said, it just wasn't able to support yeah. that area. wasn't able to support a full time bluegrass band. Yeah, you know, everybody that I knew worked day jobs. Yeah. and played music on the weekends. And that's just not what There's I wanted to do. There's just not enough dates and festivals to to support and sustain yeah. Yeah. sustain you for a whole year, right? So how uh, how scary was it taking the plunge and moving from Texas to North Carolina for a bluegrass band? You know, it was more exciting than scary, really, because uh, not only myself telling myself, you know, other people saying if you if you really want to pursue this, uh, now's the time. You're young, and if it doesn't work out for you, you're you you've still got your whole life, you know, yeah. ahead of you as far as your career. Yeah, you can always you can, come back to the oil refinery. Yeah. Right, you know, if it doesn't work out. So why not? Why not go ahead and give it a shot and see what may come of it. Um, and if it doesn't work out, at least I've got the experience. Yeah, uh, I, I've lived it, and 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 
you're not going to wonder what if 20 years later. Yeah. That's exactly what I told myself. I don't want to ask myself what if a few years down the road. Uh, this is something that I want to I want to pursue. And it was because of of uh the music and also the um I know what it made me feel like when I listened to to uh, groups that just that I really enjoyed, uh, and and I, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I I enjoyed country music too. I enjoyed seventies and eighties rock and roll, sixties uh, rock and roll, country, early stuff. I love it all, but bluegrass is what was really getting to me and and i thought i've got an opportunity i'm young i got we know we got a good band here um and if we can make a go of it it would be awesome because just just knowing that somebody might feel the same way that i do when they listen to this band or listen to me you know that's that's like that's like a gift you know that's that's something you just can't um put into words i mean i guess you know some people if they're a welder you know and they they've run a really nice looking bead on you know on this piece of metal they're proud of that and somebody else can look at it and say man that's that's as good as i've ever seen well there's there's something there yeah. you know i'm not a welder yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a singer <laughs> you know that's what i do and so that's where i get my joy from it really does um I could sing all day long, but if I if I don't feel like anybody is enjoying it or appreciating it, that it wouldn't it wouldn't be fun. I don't think any you know not out here trying yeah. to do it full time. And and it's not from a position of you need recognized. It's that you want to be able to touch people. That's and th- exactly people. it. Music has always been like that for me. It's always been therapeutic. You know, I could be in the worst mood in the world and. When I was growing up, uh, living at home, and 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 I could go into my bedroom and shut the door and put on a bluegrass LP, and 30 minutes later, one hour later, come out like nothing had ever happened, and, and it was just a total three, you know, a 180. I could, it, it would turn me around, and that's what I wanted to be for for other people. Yeah, no, it, it's nothing. It has nothing to do with. I want to be recognized for anything. I just, I would just like to, to know that I've made somebody else's day a little better, you know, made them a little happier, uh, put them at ease, you know, uh, help them through a tough time. Yeah, make them feel not alone on some of yeah. those sad songs, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what it is. That's what it is for me. And and I'll, and I'll be honest, I love my. My bluegrass family, the the, the fans, the, the guys that I travel up and down the road with, it's it's something I you know I look forward to. Uh, I look forward to keeping that connection uh, because they help me. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know they support me, and they help me get through week to week. You know having to deal with all the uh, the other things that come along with playing music, and running a, a band. You know. Uh, troubles with 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 the with the bus or just logistics you know trying to get everything figured out every week and um 
just you know the things that go along with it. Yeah, they they help me stay uh, focused and and uh, put a smile on my face, and and it's and it helps a lot. So you've heard us talk about Samson's Hair Care's hair pomade with its all-day hold and signature smell. Now they have something for the other hair on your face, your beard. Fellas, I don't know about you, but I love sporting a beard. It makes me feel so manly, and let's face it, the ladies love it. However, what they don't love is a beard that's unkempt and out of control, and when you're scratching all day like a dog. That's where Samson's Hair Care can help you. They have a brand new beard balm and beard oil to help you regain control of your beard. The beard oil is all about stopping irritation. It makes the beard softer and moisturizes the skin underneath so you're not scratching all day. They also have their beard balm, which helps you regain control of your beard, help it lay the way it's supposed to so you don't have them wiry hairs sticking out, and it makes your beard softer as well. They have a brand new beard balm and beard oil at samsonshaircare.com, and they know that bluegrassers need to look sharp so that's why if you use code bluegrass you'll save 10 percent off whether you want the beard oil the beard balm the uh, samson's hair care pomade or all three check it out at samsonshaircare.com use code bluegrass to save 10 percent off it's all at samsonshaircare.com code bluegrass and now back to walls of time so you guys take the plunge you move to Asheville, north carolina um because Doyle Lawson heard you guys in Texas. How much longer, how long did you live in North Carolina and, and play with your own band before kind of the, the moment that was the shot heard around the world for the bluegrass scene in the <laughs> 1980s? Uh, I'm, I, a little less than a year. I'm going to say 10 months that we were there. And while we were there, uh, Doyle and his group actually – came to play a show at Bill Stanley's Barbecue. It's not called Bill Stanley's anymore, but back in the day, it was the... Everybody knew where Bill Stanley's Barbecue was because they had a, a house band, a bluegrass band, and they always had... Uh, they had a, a big clogging team that would come out and dance every night. Mark Pruitt was the was the banjo player. Oh, wow. You know... Was this in the Asheville the, area? Downtown. Okay. Downtown Asheville. And... Uh, Steve Sutton was uh, oh. was on guitar and and uh, uh, Orville um, oh gosh I can't hardly remember his last name now but the fiddle player but they were the house band and they were there I and think six some, nights a week that's you know? some house band too oh it was it was great <laughs> you know it was great they they loved what they were doing and they entertained the folks and and played for the dancers I think it was six nights a week. That's first. That's when I first got to meet Mark. But anyway, um, all those guys I got to meet. Doyle came over to play a show at, at Bill Stanley's Barbecue. While we uh, after we had moved there and we were living there in town, uh, and I don't recall who it was, but they asked if we would come open the show uh, for for Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver. Now this is the second time that we've opened up a show for him. Only the second time. The first time was in Texas. First time was in Texas, and then he 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 got Milton to Milton Harkey to book us on his festival. But it's within that ten months that we were uh, 
living in Asheville. And and I want to say, prob- uh, if I think about it hard enough, the Bill Stanley show was probably after the festival after itself. After the festival, okay. I, I'm going to say it was. Okay. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All righty, um, sounds um, good. <laughs> anyway, we opened the show for him. Um, at, at some point, Doyle called uh, and was talking to Scott Vestal. We, had, we were in the process of trying to get our second recording uh, material together. Mm-hmm. And we approached Doyle about producing our second LP for Southern Connection. Yeah. Sent him, uh, we had about seven or eight songs already kind of worked up, and so we sent it to him for him to review and get his thoughts and see if he would be interested in producing. Well, he called and was uh, basically he said, instead of me producing your next record, how about you guys just come to work for me? And, and Scott was like, wow. Well, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> you probably you know, didn't see that coming in a million did, years did no you? did not you know, uh, and he there was f- there was four of us in the group uh, at that time uh, it was myself scott and uh, scott's brother curtis and mark keller on guitar well Doyle didn't need but three of us you know unfortunately so he couldn't take the whole band uh, but he did need a vocalist which i fit that bill and then Respectively, Curtis and Scott filled the other shoes, uh, you know, very well, put it that way. The only thing that he asked me was, he said, can you play guitar? And I said, well, I I have played guitar. What were you playing at that time? I was playing mandolin. Okay. Yeah, he he, he told me he didn't need a mandolin player. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny, but it was a true story. He said, son, I don't need a mandolin player. Can you play guitar? And I said, well, I have. Well, it wasn't really the style that he was looking for, uh, but he wanted to try to make it work. I, that's, I, I have to feel like he he wanted my vocal uh, ability that much to try to work with me so he did and he he, he worked with me on the guitar uh, he said here's what I want you to practice uh, he said just live it eat it breathe it I want you to take this rhythm pattern right here and just sleep with it you know what style of rhythm was it, oh, it was that he was wanting Jimmy Martin yeah uh, straight down the line you know uh, he got it from Jimmy and and he he showed it to me, and I've done the best I can. Doyle Austin is a awesome rhythm guitar player. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, is he's his timing is is awesome. His uh, uh, inflections, uh, uh, it's very uh, Jimmy Martin esque, uh, and he got it from the man himself. The man yeah. himself, uh, and he tried to. Pass that along, his knowledge of it to me, uh, which I still work on it, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, I don't, it's not something that um, is second nature, I don't think, still after all these years. There's, there, uh, yes, I understand the, the pattern, um, but being able to keep that as my basis in, in the ground and then expand off of it without going off the deep end you know that's that's the place to play around in and and that's what's fun but he did he did show me that and um 
evidently I, I got, uh, I got good enough, or he got comfortable enough with what I was able to do to, you know, to keep me on board. Yeah. Um, what were some of the challenges going from your own band that you that you guys had kind of started and, and been going with, and then going from your own band to working for the man that quick? Yeah, you know, there had to be a lot of changes. Yeah, it it was a it was a whirlwind time. It really was being that's a lot of changes very quickly. Yeah, and <laughs> even you know hitting the national circuit, we had you know I playing so many different states, well, traveling just, so much. You know, not just national circuit, but going from you know. We're trying to figure out if we want if we can do this full time or not to go to headlining status overnight, right. you know, with one phone call. Yeah, basically that's kind of what happened. Now, if you want to talk about scary, that was more scary than leaving Texas, moving really? to North Carolina for me, really? because see, we were huge Dual Awesome Quicksilver fans. All of us were, and had listened to his. LPs as they came out from 79 going forward up to that point. We knew the songs. We knew the arrangements. We knew what key they were in. Uh, But even with all that knowledge of his music, we found out that there's something more to it than just knowing the lyrics and knowing what the chord progression is. And this, you know, there's little things that have to be paid attention to and he 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 taught us you know some of those some of those things and and some of them uh are vocal things some of them were uh instrumental uh things but trying to which was probably a big job for him i'll be honest with you because (laughs) you got three guys that are used to doing it maybe a little bit different and he said no we're going to do it my way, you know. So instead of me coming to you, uh, all three of you will come to me, and we're going to do it this way. What about the Quicksilver sound made it so unique at that time? You know, even before you guys joined the band, what made Doyle Austin and Quicksilver so different? Well, I think part of it uh, here again was uh, uh, the choice of material. Uh, if you he did some some uh, standard uh, bluegrass type song, you know, um, but it, with maybe a different, just a little twist on on the arrangement. Uh, the vocals were very strong, even the trios. I mean, he had uh, Doyle's, uh, 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 you know, a good lead vocalist. He had Jimmy Haley, who was a good lead vocalist. Lou Reed. Uh, they're all great vocalists in their own right. Um, collectively, they were s- sort of a powerhouse, you know, uh, duet, trio. And then you add Terry and with the bass vocal. And I think here's, here's something, uh, not to take away from their instrumental uh, ability, because it was exciting. Their music was, I mean, it's, it's just really, it was a hungry sound to it uh and intensity when they played it wasn't it, it was it wasn't uh, your granddad's 
bluegrass. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was fiery. It, you know, yeah. the, the instrumentals were fiery. The, the, and then the arrangements were really cool. The the, the song selection was uh, with a more modern approach, I think. Um, at that time, so it, all that was was fresh. But honestly, when Rock My Soul came out, and they and they their 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 gospel music was above and beyond, in my opinion, what anybody else was doing. Oh, okay, for sure. You know, and if you think about it, you know, I, I mentioned the country gentleman when. When Dole was a part of the Country Gentleman, they made some gospel recordings that, at that time, to me, were above and beyond what anybody else was doing. You know, so I, I mean, there is a common denominator there if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you go back to uh, when his time with with J.D. A Crow and and of course uh, Jimmy Martin, but but especially the Country Gentleman. The time it, it seemed like everywhere he's been, there's been some really great music that the rest of us have learned from. Well, and even you know, talking you know, about gospel stuff from pre-Quicksilver, that Model Church album from from JD Crow is a standard. You know, that, Model that Church, that, and he was yeah. a very big part of that. Well, yeah, and, I'll talk all uh, over with him and yeah. title track and a bunch of dandies. Uh, yeah. And Calling my children home. Yeah. Country, that I, I remember the first time I heard that, and I thought, "Wow, that is awesome stuff right there." You know, that's really good. Good, it's good bluegrass gospel right there. And of course, you know, I'm a huge Charlie Waller fan. Uh, loved his singing, uh, but I, I really think that the the emphasis on uh, the gospel music, the quartets, the a cappella. That really helped set them apart from anybody else, you know, in the early do, 80s. Do enough. you think a lot of that comes from growing up around his dad, who Absolutely. was in that bluegrass gospel? I mean, that was in that gospel quartet? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. He, he grew up around it, with it. Uh, I've heard some some old recordings of his dad and, and uh, his group, the, the quartet, singing and... Uh, singing shape note out of the out of the book you know and it's really it's cool you you understand where those influences came from when when you get into Doyle's history and what he grew up uh, with and around, what he grew up around uh, the big influence his dad was a huge influence as far as uh, gospel music in Doyle's life uh, and he made it a point to um, to make that a prominent piece in that band, yeah. and it was Katie bar the door after that. After he, yeah. you know, after that rock my soul came out. I ain't kidding you. It's just, and it's still one of my f- all-time favorite bluegrass gospel recordings ever. That rock my soul is just great stuff. Well, it, not only did that record, you know, elevate bluegrass gospel. But you talked about the Quicksilver vocals. Yeah. That record took them even to a whole other level. So then a few years later, yeah. you and you and the Vestal Brothers are 
filled uh, are responsible for filling those shoes. That was the scary. That, that really was the scary part. I mentioned that a minute ago. You know, that really was the scary part because they were such a great group in our eyes, and to think that we were actually going to be trying to fill those shoes or fill that position uh, and stay keep try to keep it at that level that was uh a, i felt a, a challenge you know for all of us but man it wasn't for lack of uh being trying to be prepared because we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and when we hit the stage there was no question what we were going to do and who was supposed to be doing what at what at what time it was we we had we had put hours and hours and hours uh into it up to that point aside from rhythm guitar what were some of the other lessons that uh Doyle had to instill in you guys early on when you guys joined his band just the the sense of timing that it was he was looking for that was part of it now probably I want to say more so with me because I'm, I'm still trying. I'm trying to get my head around this, getting away from a, a chop on a mandolin and, and into a full rhythm. Yeah. Uh, so it it, it takes time. Uh, but that yeah, that sense of timing. I, I remember he he would tell people when they would, when they would come into the group after Curtis Vestal left. He he would say, if you want to try to emulate anybody. Uh, to be to play bass in this band, listen to Curtis. He loved his his bass playing, yeah. absolutely loved it. Uh, Scott Vestal is one of the most gifted banjo players I guess I've ever been around. He's just incredible. His his sense of timing is impeccable. Um, at that time, he was a huge, uh, and still is, you know, but. He was really into Terry Balkum and his playing, so it was a nat- it was really a natural seamless transition, transition that, yeah. you know, there. Uh, but I, I guess just an overall, you know, collectively that sense of timing that he was looking for, uh, and then even vocally, the the importance of uh, the phrasing, starting and stopping. Uh, not just lines, but even uh, individual words. You know the length that they are. You know that they everybody's doing them the same. Uh, vocal pronunciation. That you're 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 rounding your voices, or uh, to to match each other. Try to get it as close to a family harmony as you can possibly do. Uh, Listen, listen to uh, everybody. Uh, if it's a a or a, everybody do it the same way because those differences will. Uh, if you get them, if you get them together, really help solidify a trio or a quartet, and and just makes it bloom. It, it'll sound. When you get all those things going together, uh, it'll it'll sound twice as big as what what it would otherwise. Do you think that that attention to detail is one reason why forty years later Quicksilver is still Absolutely. among the top? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
Dole's maybe he may be slowing down a little bit, but his uh, his thoughts about everything have have never changed. Uh, his uh, he still got a very strong uh, work ethic, uh, and I think he he always he always will. What what was Doyle like as a as a as a figure as a character as a band leader in those early years of Quicksilver, especially when you guys first went to work with him? He he was um, he. Gosh, so many things. He was a band leader. He was the leader. There was no doubt about that. Uh, and he he didn't try to. Uh, I don't. I don't think he really tried to uh, make you feel inferior. He just he wanted you to uh, understand what he was trying to teach you, uh, and and he wanted you to listen to him. Just listen to what I'm telling you, and practice this uh, he, he could be uh, stern uh, for sure he could be a lot of I mean just a funny guy telling stories you know from from the past or, or uh, experiences that that were just absolutely hilarious you know um, he, uh, he could be a, a good friend to you uh, so it was there, there was Everything on both sides, and then everything in in between too. Uh, always, uh, you know, a professional. Yeah. You know, when uh, when he went on the stage, and even off stage, just in front of the people, he uh, he was a he was a professional. Being uh, that new to the the music business, that probably had to be. Uh, pretty significant pretty important to be around someone that is known as such a great teacher and someone that was such a great example yeah um, of course I mean uh, being being that age uh, still wondering if you're uh, bringing it uh, up to par you know every night that you go on stage as an new member of the group uh, as the primary lead vocalist uh, you know Jimmy Haley is not a slouch rhythm player either you know yeah. uh, a little different style than than Doyle's for sure but but uh, really you know good timing and um, so here I, I don't know that it was great to to know that somebody of, of Doyle's stature thought that much of of me to want me to be there that that was that was a big help do you ever feel like the hustle and bustle of life keeps you from accomplishing your goals and staying on track have you ever felt exhausted at the end of the day but yet feel like you've accomplished nothing help focus on your goals and stay on track with a self journal from best self co whether you're starting your own business, a college student, or you're just feeling overwhelmed with day-to-day -day life, the self-journal is packed with tools to help you get more done. With features including daily planning, a 13-week roadmap for your goals, inspirational quotes, daily and weekly habit tracking, and a place to record morning and evening gratitude. Best Self Co. offers a line of productivity tools to help you accomplish more. 
Check out all of their products at bestself.co. Use code Bluegrass to save 15% off of your first purchase. That's bestself.co, code Bluegrass to save 15% off your first purchase. Was there a moment working with Doyle, especially once you guys really first got going, that you finally realized, all right, maybe we're going to be all right. Maybe maybe this is going to work. Was there an ever a, a aha, we've got it moment? Probably. Because um, you said it was so intimidating when you first well, started Well, at off. first it was. And, and the reason, one of the reasons is because this is a major shakeup in the bluegrass industry. For for uh, Quicksilver, uh, you're six years in to a, uh, to a group that's really making waves so this is 1985 right this is 1985 and they were followed by a lot of people getting a lot of attention a lot of press uh, because and, and you know these recordings coming out were they were landmark recordings they really were in, in my mind anyhow and a lot of bluegrass people, a lot of fans and, and industry people, they were really taking note. So everybody, uh, I mean, they're all watching you. They're looking at you. And, yes, they were judging every one of us. That that was intimidating. It really was. Uh, but, I, I, you know, what do you do? You just go out and you do the very best you can. And hopefully it's you know it's good enough. If if there was an aha moment, I do remember the first year I was with Doyle, and we were in Dahlonega, Georgia, playing a show for Norman Adams. Which this was at the old. It's an old part. It's not there anymore. Uh, but we went on stage. Uh, and I don't recall if it I think it was the first set we played that day I'm almost sure it was could have been the second but I think it was the first set we got through the show we encored three times wow with that band we encored three times and that was like wow I mean they they have at least this group of people right here they've accepted us yeah and they're not trying to judge us on what had been done. They're actually judging us now on what we're doing. That may have been an aha moment, yeah. you know, as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, winning uh, Song of the Year, Little Mountain Church House, you know, Carl Jackson's tune at IBMA uh, early on. You know, that, that, uh, that wasn't anything that had been done prior to us going to work for Doyle, that was done after we were there. Uh, and it was recognized as Song of the Year. That that was a good feeling. That was an aha, probably, I guess. Do you think that Doyle felt a lot of pressure when he hired you guys on? <laughs> yeah. <'Cause>, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's easy these days to, you know, 40 years later, band, you know, band changes happen. Dole always survives, but this was the first kind of major shakeup he'd had in Quicksilver. 
do you think he felt felt the pressure on you know here's Dole top name in bluegrass hiring these three no name people from Texas? Yeah, there there was no doubt uh, a weight on his shoulders because of that. But it's something he felt like uh, he needed or wanted uh, to do, uh, and it it was there was some difficulty there because it was um, Terry and uh, Terry Bogham and Jimmy Haley were uh, actually partners with Doyle in the group. So it wasn't like I've got hired hands that I'm going to get rid of and, and put yeah. other people in their place. He's got business partners that he's that that brings a whole new element. Yeah, into that's it. a completely okay. different dynamic. Yeah, completely. So he had, you know, he was dealing with that, uh, and and I and I believe that everything is 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 good between them now. Oh, but yeah. there was there was definitely tension at that time when when the breakup came down. Uh, so you you got to understand that that Doyle is not only dealing with trying to get us into shape to go out and do the shows; he's dealing with that part of it. Um, and then it's it's just human nature. Some people are going to side with what this guy, or some people are going to yeah. side with this guy. So he's he's dealing with the people that were maybe on Jimmy and Terry's side out here week to week yeah. you know coming to the shows as fans uh and having to deal with with that too it was a lot i'm sure and and i realize it more now yeah. than i did then because then i was just like i i gotta take care of me i got to do my job what about seeing the way doyle navigated times like that um, impacted you later on down the line when you became a band leader and had to deal with band changes and, and lineup personnel and uh, different things. What about the way that you saw Doyle handle a situation like that impacted you? I, I would have to say that what I have learned, and not necessarily uh, just from Doyle, or, or, but I have learned that life goes on. And things do change. And you can either accept them uh, and be at peace, or you can let it eat at you uh, and worry you to death. We've not had a whole lot of band member changes uh, in third time out over the years, over 28 years. We haven't had that many yeah. uh, compared to other groups. And it used to bother me more about... Who are we going to get to put into this position that that's going to keep this level yeah. up? Because uh, you you don't ever want to go backwards, you know. You want to at least maintain and go forward. Yeah. But through the uh, through the changes that we've had, one the one thing that is a constant is that the sun still comes up tomorrow. Things work out. Uh, and there's a reason reason why things happen. Yeah. You know, just be at peace with it. You know, trust that uh, somebody's got your back and, you know, they're looking down on you, yeah. you know, really. Absolutely. Uh, and everything's going to be okay. As long as you, uh, as long as you just continue to, to put the work into it uh, and uh, have some fun. Gosh, you know, if if you can't have fun... I have some fun playing music, man. 
that's that's not a good life. I'm, I don't think you got to have some. You got to have fun. You you do. That's 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 music. Music is for enjoyment. It's it's you know like I said, it's it's for peace of mind. It's it's therapeutic. It's that's what it's for. And if you if you're not happy playing music, uh, man, you could you could be unhappy doing a lot of different things and and probably you know be better off at the end of the day. You know with with your bank account. Yeah. You know, I think it was Cowboy Jack Clement that said, "At the end of the day, we're in the fun business. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong." Yeah, but well, there you go. Yeah, and and I, I, I'm I'm more I think I'm more at peace nowadays. Uh, my stress level is 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 down. Uh, I'm I'm in a I'm in a pretty good place, uh, and I and I and that just comes with time. Uh, and experience over every time something has happened, what has been the outcome? The outcome has been okay. You know, we just got um, the other week. We got broadsided by semi trailer uh, on Interstate I, on I seventy five in Tennessee. It it actually uh, it broke out a window. It it tore the mirror, right side mirror off the bus. It it did cosmetic. It, it was about $21,000 worth of damage and the guy just took off I mean have no idea who, who who it is you know but the biggest thing and the first thing that I asked you know which at at one point years ago I would have been devastated that that had happened yeah just the bus itself yeah. you know being tore up like that but the first thing I asked when when I walked up uh, Wayne actually came back and and woke me up. I was um, taking a little nap, but anyway, uh, I asked if everybody was okay, if anybody was hurt. Nobody was hurt, and at that point, my first thought was, "All right, well, let's see what's going on here. Let's see what the damage is." But I knew that all that could be repaired. Yeah. All as long as everybody's fixed. okay, yeah. then it's just yeah. And we'll I, get and, past it. Yeah. I said, well, let's figure this out. That's I went straight into, okay, let's let's figure this out. Are we going to be able to use the coach for the rest of the weekend? Yeah. You know, can we just patch it up enough to, to use it? And we did. We there was, <laughs> we went down the road, hit the Walmart, went inside and. Bought lots of duct tape <laughs> and some cardboard and uh, and a tarp, uh, the thickest tarp that they had, and we worked on it uh, for a couple of hours till we sealed up where the the glass had been broken out, and we affixed the mirror because you can't drive one of these things without either one of the mirrors, driver's side or passenger. There's just yeah. there's really no way that yeah. you can. Especially something that big. Right. Yeah. Just, there's, you have to be able to see. And we, yeah, they say you can fix anything with baling wire and duct tape. I'm going to tell you what, we, we passed it back <laughs> up with duct tape to where we could use that mirror yeah. enough to be able to drive the coach. So that worked out. Yeah. That worked out. We it, were able to make our show dates. Nobody got if hurt. No one's hurt. It's not a crisis. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> there you go. And that's 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 part of just the, uh, being in it for uh, for a while. You you realize that 
you you can get past just about anything. Yeah. You know, don't don't let it stress you out too bad. I'm I'm in situations like that. It's funny. Um, Keith Keith told me one time we were on our way. Uh, back from uh, I think it was out in Kansas and we were uh, coming into Nashville we were on I-24 in, in, in Kentucky and all of a sudden the bus it just it stopped uh, the transmission it wow I don't know what's going on with it so I'm out and I'm trying to diagnose I'm trying to figure it out I'm, I'm looking at this looking at that and going back up and trying something different uh, up in the driver's compartment and I'm just I'm very calm and Keith said, man, I can't believe you're not more upset than this. I said, getting upset's not going to help me right now. I said, I need to be able to think. I said, I, ha I have to be calm so that I can think. He said, man, the bus breaks down and we're sitting on the side of the road and you're calm as cool as a cucumber. But if somebody leaves the toilet lid up, <laughs> you go off. <laughs> I said, well, that I can do something about. <laughs> Right? That's a preventable problem. That's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I don't want that thing to slam down and break in half. You know, I said, yeah. That, he said, he said, that's amazing, man. That's really amazing. That was a funny. That was a funny. That's awesome. Me. Yeah. So that's 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 the bottom line. You know, you just things are going to be okay. Uh, things will work themselves out. You were with Quicksilver for six years. Mm-hmm. What yes. were some of the most exciting experiences that uh, you had with with Quicksilver that really made that move to North Carolina worth it? <laughs> you know? Oh man, um, I honestly uh, there the, just playing uh, bluegrass music. Uh, in a full-time setting that that was first and i mean it's like okay now i'm able to do this this is really cool uh but i'd never been overseas i think we went to europe three different times that was really cool getting to experience uh, experience that we spent six weeks in South and Central America. Wow. On a uh, government type exchange program tour. It was six weeks. It, it, was, it was about two weeks longer than I really would have liked <laughs> for it to be in. But, uh, you know, the travel, uh, seeing uh, different places like that was really. Really awesome. Going up into Canada, I'd never been into Canada before. So I, w I would say that music gave me the opportunity to travel and see things that I might not have ever been able to see. Might not have ever had the opportunity uh, or the means. So it, it, it gave me that, and that was, that was really cool to, do, to see that. And also... You know, you you live in in almost in a uh, I, I would say like a little bubble. If you never go outside of the country, you, you play all in within the United States. Uh, it's you you get your fan base and and you understand. I don't know. They understand bluegrass music, 
But when you go other places uh, outside of the country, they they may not actually know what you've done. They don't. They may not actually understand where it came from, but yeah. they understand acoustic style music and they love it. Yeah, you know, just the the I don't know. It, it was really cool to to see how different people from other countries would react to what we were doing. And that's got to be exciting too, because especially on a lot of those those foreign tours. You're probably for a lot of those folks might be the first bluegrass band they've ever right. seen live. Right, that's got to be an exciting experience. It is uh, because you don't. I mean, you don't know how they'll react. But honestly, there are times that we would go overseas or do go outside the country and play for people who really didn't know what we were doing, and they would become more excited than a lot of the crowds that we would play to here in the states because it's just more more of a norm kind of thing here there's a lot of great bluegrass acts and a lot of great pickers and players you know man and banjo and guitar just whatever fiddle but it's a different caliber when you go down there when you see 12 bluegrass bands a weekend every weekend for the whole summer versus seeing one band a year right you're going to have a different reaction yeah Yeah. that's what i'm saying And, and there were there were times that uh, those audiences would would get more excited than a lot of them that we would play to here, yeah. uh, and that was like, wow, you know, I feel like a rock star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, Adam from Sampson's Hair Care here. I wanted to let you know about a new product we've released called Texture Powder. You just sprinkle it in, work it into your roots, and it provides you with volume and hold and texture while leaving your hair looking natural. Give it a shot. Use the code BLUEGRASS on our website to save 10% off your total. The Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast, an honor and a privilege to have the most awarded male vocalist in bluegrass history, on the walls of time this week part one of our conversation with russell moore yeah the great russell moore um remembering the first time i ever heard russell moore sing it was coming through the trees at bean blossom back in the early 90s when uh, third time out was really rolling hard and um sort of at their uh, earlier stages about the time they were winning a lot of the uh vocal group of the year awards and uh I think for anybody who's been a fan of bluegrass for years and years, you never forget that moment when you hear a great singer, an iconic singer like that for the first time. And I remember, uh, I even remember what time of day it was. <laughs> <laughs> Russell has truly got one of the purest voices that bluegrass music has ever heard. And for a lot of folks, that uh, introduction was when he joined up with Doyle Austin and Quicksilver as a young man. Yeah, joining up with Doyle and Quicksilver, it's really uh, neat to hear the story, although I've heard a little bit secondhand, not directly from Russell, about him coming over to uh, my hometown here in Asheville, North Carolina, where I live, uh, back in the 80s, and uh, Doyle coming down to Bill Stanley's Barbecue. Bill Stanley's Barbecue was a uh, historic uh, landmark for so many years uh, here in Asheville, kept the local 
and regional music, uh, bluegrass and folk music and clogging, kept it really alive. Uh, it was a big tourist attraction. Bill Stanley is still around. He's retired now. The business has been sold for years, but uh, for a long time, it was a great place to see some of these folks who have now become um, household names. Mark Pruitt would play down there, Steve Sutton, Arville Freeman, and of course, Russell talking about his time down there. Bill Stanley's famous barbecue right in the heart of downtown Asheville. It was an iconic place and so much great music uh, happened there. So it's great to hear him mention that and his time taken off with Doyle right here in the mountains. And of course, Doyle hired Russell Moore and his band Southern Connection pretty much as is to be a, a new edition of Quicksilver. If you've ever got a chance to hear some of those old Southern Connection albums, uh, I definitely encourage you to uh, snatch those up if you see any floating around or if you find any uh, YouTube links uh, to any Southern Connection recordings. Be sure to listen to a young Russell Moore along with the Vestal Brothers and their formative years. Once you hear those, you can hear what Doyle heard in wanting to hire them to be a new edition of Quicksilver. I thought it was great insight into uh, Doyle uh, hearing Russell talk about the pressure that was on Doyle uh, hiring these young cats out of Texas that no one had really heard of uh, to be in, at that time, one of the hottest bands in bluegrass. I mean, Quicksilver's always been hot, but at that time, you know, we all kind of take it for granted that, oh, Doyle just hires new folks and keeps right on rolling. Uh, but at this time, Doyle had not really faced this kind of adversity when it came to lineup changes, and he really uh, proved uh, his mettle as a band leader by uh, rolling out with this hot new version of Quicksilver. Yeah, I had a built-in band when he found those guys. Uh, Doyle's never been afraid of a challenge and taking risks, and he's always had a great eye for talent. But I'm sure that as soon as these guys hit the stage with Doyle, it was pretty obvious that uh, he had found uh, some of the future uh, great names in bluegrass. Like if you go up and look up some old YouTube videos, um, there's actually one created uh, around Doyle's anniversary that was made. It's got a lot of uh, Doyle's incarnations, and there's some great YouTube videos uh, with uh, Russell and Ray and all the guys singing. Uh, and, you know, that harmony, that blend, you really couldn't beat that style. In fact, I think that band really is what became the template for so many other lineups Dole had to follow. A lot of that was uh, thanks to Russell Moore's fantastic lead and harmony singing. It might be a little early, but uh, in February of 2021, it's penciled in. You know, of course, COVID makes everything crazy. But it is penciled in that for February of 2021 at Bluegrass and the Bluegrass in Lexington, Kentucky, they're supposed to have a reunion show of that classic 80s Quicksilver lineup with Doyle and Russell Moore and Scott and Curtis Vestal. That'll be in Lexington, the Clarion Hotel. Uh, of course, we'll see how it all plays out with the COVID stuff, but maybe have that weekend uh, penciled in in case everything goes as planned uh, starting in uh, early 2021. That'll be a ton of fun for sure. That's a do not miss show right there. My big struggle here is how am I going to make this Spotify playlist for this episode, this two-part episode? It's going to be a long one because I really uh, I don't know what I'm going to be able to leave out, especially as we get into episode uh, two of this two-parter when we get into more of the third time out music. I don't. I could pretty much just add every single third time out song because there's not a one uh, album or song that's not worth checking out listening to. So um, hopefully you get a nice historical 
catalog of a lot of that early third time out music. For three decades, third time out's been one of the top bands in bluegrass, and we'll hear how that band uh, got started uh, next time on the Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast with part two of our interview with Russell Moore. Be sure to listen and subscribe to the podcast. No matter what platform you enjoy listening to Walls of Time, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well, and keep up to date with all of the fun. Go to wallsoftimepodcast.com to learn more and tell them what they can get to support the podcast by going to our website, Ty. We're selling big yellow and black t shirts and they look really cool like a little walking billboard for walls of time and uh, they were designed by our friend maggie rainwater and uh, they look great they're really fun uh get one of those uh buy a couple give one away and that's how you can support us you can also listen and uh rate us on apple and uh, spotify and leave some comments uh message us on social media all that great stuff supports the walls of time and supports daniel going out there and getting these great interviews for you Part two of our conversation with Russell Moore will be next time. Thank you for listening. Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast is produced by Ty Gilpin and Daniel Mullins, edited by Daniel Mullins, and is a production of Blue Poncho Media. Visit wallsoftimepodcast.com for more information.